Hey guys, welcome back. It's David Fulcher and my guy across from me is David Coleman. We yeah. are here once again for Believe in Arizona State. Now that means believe in the opportunity for them to win football games, get themselves in a position at the end of the year to be a team that can go to a big bowl game. But we want to talk a little bit about uh, the Arizona State-Oklahoma State game, David. Um, we knew it was going to be a tough game going into Stillwater. We did. And uh, they went in there and they, they fought for a little bit. And then I think the uh, the win and the sale kind of disappeared. What do you think? It did. And it didn't. We thought we were, we were kind of hoping we'd have a different discussion today and maybe where the rest of the season was going to go. But I, I still have to tell you, I still have a lot of hope for the rest of the season. We both thought they would go in there and battle their hearts out. And uh, they did. I mean, uh, you know, I, I look at both sides of the football. I saw um, – some promising on both sides of the football, offensively and defensively. There was a point in that game, and I know we're getting a little bit ahead of what uh, talking about. There it's was okay. a point in this game where the X factor fumbled the football, and I think the game changed from that fumble. As sudden change sometimes does, it, it did make a difference. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't expect them to go in there and play error-free football. We, we both talked with, with Thurman Thomas. We talked about how tough that Oklahoma oh. State Stadium is to play. And at night, and I have to tell you, until I watched the game, it reminded me just how tough it actually is. There's a couple stadiums in this country that those night games, you go there, you go to the shoe, you go down in Louisiana, and LSU is known for kind of their field being just insanity. I thought they played awfully well. We didn't think they would go error-free. We thought they had to almost go error-free to win the game, and I think we were probably right. But you're right, David. There were some phenomenal plays, which we can talk about. Some players did some wonderful things. And then as the game went on, those lines took control. The yeah. offensive and defensive line for Oklahoma State took control. And it was obvious there was some difference there. Well, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't be ranked, you know, 10th or 11th in the country and not have an exceptional football team. And we knew Oklahoma State was going to be tough to play. And, and like Thurman said, when you're playing down there in Stillwater, at night, 80 to 100,000 people, it, it's a big uh, country boy party. No, it's, and let me tell you something. Those boys from the West Coast, they weren't ready for that. I, I told you, you made a really good point last week that um, Emery kind of used to, was, when he was in Florida, was used to, you know, just another day in the park to walk into the swamp or walk into Alabama or wherever they happened to be playing that week. But for some of the players – on Arizona State's team, it looked like that was a pretty new environment to them. Oh, oh definitely new. I, I don't know if any of those kids have ever played in a big stadium, packed, that loud, that kind of atmosphere. Um, and if they didn't do that in high school, which I know they didn't, they have never done it. So Arizona State playing at home, yes, um, you get 75,000 in there, but it's a little bit different down there in Stillwater. I'll say this, you know, we, we saw there's a couple other crazy games this weekend. And I know that you saw it too. We were texting back and forth when Texas was playing Alabama and, you know, there Texas loses that game, but moves up into the polls. One of the few teams to ever do that, to lose a game and then move into the polls. I, I don't think anybody watched the game, sir. Anybody's going to watch that game. Doesn't think they gave it their all. Doesn't think they're a talented team. I think that most people are going to say they went to Oklahoma state. They gave them a game, but in the end, Oklahoma state is at Oklahoma state. And they're very, you said this, you said it to Thurman. And Thurman and reiterated back, very tough to beat them there. Very tough. And it is. I mean, very, very tough to beat them down there. But but the Arizona, Arizona State had an opportunity. They had their chances. They had all the 
the tools working for them. I believe Oklahoma State's first four possessions were three and out. They punted the football away. ASU went down, scored three points, and then kind of muffed the ball around a little bit, slowed things down, and then gave Oklahoma State an opportunity to correct their mistakes and get back in the game. And when they got back in the game, they knew exactly what they were going to do. And Weren't they, their they, first four, David? Wasn't it punt, 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 interception? It was. It was punt, 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 interception. And see that that for me, you have to take advantage. Sully, of right? Sully made that interception. Yes, yes. You got to make. You got to. You, you got to make those. Once you get that opportunity, and when Soleil made that interception, I'm thinking, hey, now we go down the field, score a touchdown, we're up 10 nothing. Well, we gave the ball right back to them, and yeah. then all of a sudden, the wind went out of the sail for ASU. Let me ask you this from a from a an All-Americans perspective, from a three-time Pro Bowlers perspective, you, I guarantee by now you've watched that game a couple of times. Yes. Let's go to the positive. What stands out in your mind, if you want to pull up the stats, I know you know the stats, but what in your mind sticks out that that rings true not only that it was positive on saturday night but gives you hope gives me hope gives all arizona state fans hope for the rest of the season well you know you brought in a new quarterback yeah from florida kid's pretty good you know didn't make didn't make a whole lot of mistakes uh emory jones finished 12 for 24 uh he was 223 yards 9.3 yards per pass play and he threw a touchdown yeah. Which, is, which is good. He didn't turn the football over. He kept the football team into the game. Winning the game comes from everybody else. He did a great job. One of the bright, brightest spots outside of Emory Jones was the X Factor. He was. He was the X Factor. Let me tell you something, man. 21 carries, 118 yards, 5.6 yards a carry, and a touchdown. And his longest run was 42 yards. Yeah. He had a couple of, of, of runs, Dave, that – um, when you look at him, you look back at the old Arizona State players that played back in the, you know, back in the day. My my tailback, Daryl Clack, you know, used to run the football just like this guy. Very, very powerful, strong running. So, you know, the, the positives from this football team is showing early on, on, on the offensive side of the football. So there were a lot of good things in this game outside of the bad stuff that happened later on. On one of the versions of the replays, David, that I was watching the last couple of days, the announcers weren't familiar weren't familiar with the X factor, and he broke that long run down the sidelines. And he and the, one of them went, "Whoa, who's this guy?" I mean, yes. he, this guy's good. It was it was as if it was a, it was like it was a coming out party for him a little bit for some people who didn't know him. And I'll tell you who else I thought if you can have a coming out party in a loss, Elijah Badger. Oh yes, I, I believe a lot more people know his name today than knew it before game time on Saturday. I mean, think of six catches. 91 yards, 15 yards a catch, touchdown, long of 28 yards. They didn't throw the football really, really deep. Um, but then when they had an opportunity to do that, but let me tell you something, Badger, you know, when talk, we're not talking Wisconsin Badger, we're talking Arizona State's Badger. <laughs> he, um, you know, once again, these Wisconsin are Wisconsin probably football. could have used him over the weekend. Wisconsin wish they had oh, that. Oh, I know, I know. Let Washington beat him up. But here's the thing, though. Arizona State is actually playing some pretty good football. The ball is being passed around offensively. Everybody that has a big name on that offensive football team, wide receiver, running back, tight end, quarterback, they're all touching the football, and they're making plays. Just didn't make enough plays against uh, that Oklahoma State football team. David, you're right. They put up 223 yards through the air. They put up 131 on the ground. All right. You're looking at almost 400 against – a very good number 11 at the time. I haven't looked yet to see where they're at this week. 
I'm sure they've either gained a little ground or sure. I think, they're, I think they're number nine. I think they went up two spots. I figured they'd move into the top 10 with what happened over the weekend. But you're talking about putting up 400 yards because remember this, Oklahoma State had the ball some time too. We watched yes. the highlights as well. And Spencer Sanders, the one announcer, feels like he's been there for a decade. He, he just runs that team like he's, like he's a coach on the field and that's tough to, tough to go against. So there was a, the amount of time that they had the ball so to still put up 400 yards in that ball game, I believe bodes well. I wouldn't want to be Eastern Michigan this week, and I'm not sure. I think that that they are going to give Utah Utes everything they have. Oh, no doubt. No doubt whatsoever. And you're talking about time of possession. 30 minutes for Arizona State, 29 minutes for Oklahoma State. So it was an even ball game with time of possession. One of the things that I thought that was really critical was third down. Third down for Arizona State, they were two for 13. Mm -hmm. Two for 13. You can't win that. Oklahoma State gets 31st downs in the game. ASU gets 12. When you look at those numbers, you're thinking big, big blowout. And, it, and it, it was a close football game. But when you don't convert on third down like ASU didn't, you're going you're gonna to struggle. But they had time of possession right there in their own backyard doing the things they were doing, just couldn't convert on third down. And let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, Sanders is no joke. 268, he threw four, two TDs, and the wonderful interception uh, that, that we saw there, wonderful diving interception. And then Richardson put up some big numbers, 27 for 131, average basically five yards carry, 19. There's, there was a different level of confidence, those, those people. And then you had your wide receivers, Green and Johnson, uh, Richardson, putting up some pretty big numbers. What I wanted to ask you, and I think we even texted about this, or maybe we talked about it in the last couple of days. The first game obviously was a lesser opponent, but there were some awfully easy, and I, I want to say either two or three here, David, you can correct me, basically almost walk-in touchdowns for Oklahoma State. So when you talk about the, 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 the style of the game, the way it was played, both of these teams are, are pretty, pretty fast football teams. Yeah. Oklahoma State really got to the line of scrimmage and tried to go hurry up football. Arizona State tried to slow it down a little bit to keep that offense off the field. Sure. But it was one of those things, man, you couldn't really do too much about anything. All you could do is hope and pray that you would make those plays, which Arizona State didn't come up with enough plays. There were a couple of times I, I could tell Emory Jones was not used to being on his backside. I mean, he got pace, got him a couple of times there, and he, he just a couple of times he went down and he just kind of sat there and looked around and shook his head for a minute. But uh, I, I believe this will prepare them. I believe they have Utah coming up in a couple of weeks. I believe that's going to prepare them. They have USC coming up in a couple of weeks. They have Washington coming up in a couple of weeks. This was no joke for them. They went into hostile territory. And I believe they, they did wear down. They were a little bit outmanned there at the end and, and throughout the game. But they gave it everything they had. And I, you said this last week. They're going to do that every week. And I still believe there's a chance they surprise some people. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think for me, when you sit and you watch, I try to go uh, as a defensive guy, uh, defensively, Soleil, 16 tackles in that game. Yeah. And an interception. He was a beast. Tackle for an interception was phenomenal. He was all over the field. All over the field. You know, but when you look at the statistics and he's got 16 and the next guy's got four, that means we're not really getting a lot of production from the defensive side of the football when the ball is – when the, when the ball's in play. Um, but I will tell you this here, though. I, I think this football team, you know, there's no such thing as a bad loss. 
maybe this is a loss that teaches them if you want to be in the top 10 in the country, if you want to be a top 25 team, this is the kind of play you have to play week in and week out. Can't have those spurts up and down, up and down. And they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be pretty good. And they're going to, they're going to challenge some people throughout the year in this Pac-12. I agree with you. David, let me ask you, before we go over and talk a little bit about Eastern Michigan and the games coming up, let me ask you this. We talked about this a little bit over the weekend, but we didn't go much into it. There were a couple touchdowns from Oklahoma State that were basically walk-ins. They might they might have come in from about the 15-yard line, but they were never in doubt that they were getting in the end zone. And I, I texted, we talked, and you came back to me with one. Right away, you came back with a response. Do you remember what your response was to me? You know, I think – I know you're going to ask me that one, Dave. You know, sometimes my brain nope. goes somewhere. I know, I know, because you were also you had Bengal mania over the weekend. Yes, yes. I know your head was going yes. You said blown coverage. Yes. Yeah. Right away to me. Uh, the flea flicker obviously caught him off guard. That he was completely wide open. The, there were a couple of flips out of the backfield, wide open, kind of walked in. How do you correct between now, obviously Eastern Michigan this weekend, then in two weeks Utah, and then in three weeks USC. How does that get corrected? Well, you know, blown coverages are normally happen when you're looking somewhere else, looking in the backfield, you know, looking at, you know, the uh, uh, quarterback throwing the football or what's happening behind the line of scrimmage. When you're covering a receiver, you're supposed to be looking at him. You pay attention to detail. You know, I've, I've been told that uh, quite often. When you pay attention to detail, most likely you're going to do your job. There's 11 guys on defense. Everybody has a responsibility on defense. I can't do what, what the defensive end is supposed to be doing because that's not my job. My job is to take care of my responsibility. Whether I got the flat or if I'm covering man-to-man on the running back or the tight end, I have a job to do. So I would say that flea flicker, them guys are looking in the backfield, looking at something else, and you know what? The ball gets thrown over their heads, the, play, the pass gets completed, and they give up a touchdown, and when you do that, let me tell you something. It's because you blew the covers because you wasn't paying attention to detail. Yeah, I, I will say this on that flea flicker. I watched that play. I rewound it a couple of times. You had a you had a veteran quarterback and a veteran running back pull that play off. He went into that line a pretty decent amount, turned straight back, flipped that thing back. The quarterback was poised as can be, threw a dart down the field to a very wide open receiver. I'm not sure every every school in America pulls it off with that much poise and that much ease. If there was one I could see getting bid on, it was that one. And that's a tough one. That's a tough one, Dave, because when you hand the ball off to the running back and he goes toward the line of scrimmage, the first thing you want to do is you're going to attack the ball. When you attack the football and then you come to the line of scrimmage and they turn around and pitch it back, you know, your momentum is already gone. They always tell me when I was playing, my coaches used to tell me, take three shuffle steps. Don't backpedal like, like, Jump in the air, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. And then now as the ball is coming, now that third shuffle step, you can come downhill towards the line of scrimmage. But after that third shuffle step and that ball hasn't crossed that line of scrimmage, I'm opening my hips now and getting deep because something's coming up because it's a flea flicker. And I think sometimes you have to teach. I don't know if you teach a kid that, but that's called, you know, to me, I have an instinct of the game. Knowing what's what's happening Prepare yourself well enough. Watch film. I don't know if that play was on Oklahoma State's film the week before, but it was something that caught Arizona State off guard, and that's why they scored that touchdown. Yeah, you're right. All right, before we go into Eastern Michigan here, answer this question. I want you, I want you to take, your, take yourself back to your coaching days. I know you played. You played, played Arizona State, played for the Bengals. 
legendary with both. Take yourself back to your coaching days. What did what did you say to that team? What did Herm say to that team in the locker room after the ball game? And what's what's the focus this week? Oh, the focus is this: it's an early season. No, we didn't want to win, lose the game, and we lost. I mean, we didn't want to lose the game, but we lost the game. But now what we have to do now is prepare for next week. The, the, we're, we're gonna we're gonna hold this one in. Feel really bad on this plane ride going home, but once we step off the plane, it's next week's game. Don't worry about what happened uh, out of uh, you know on the field right now. You got to let that go. You got to move forward. Champions are built on what they've done and learned the week before. If you come out there next Very week cool. and play like you played last week, you're going to lose a football game. Even if you're thinking about any of that stuff, that game is over with. Nobody wants to lose. Lose. Keep your head up and continue to keep playing hard. And next week practice, let's get ready for our next opponent. Mm -hmm. Let's hope in our other world the Bengals take that same advice. For oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I know you were. Uh, David, I was looking at the matchup predictor for this coming game. Let's switch yes. over to them playing Eastern Michigan, a MAC opponent. Uh, when I was younger, I went to Bowling Green. I was kind of used to all the MAC schools. And it's a 94, basically almost a 95% matchup predictor that they win this week. That can, uh, that can lead to some overconfidence. They still should handle them. And you, we were looking at some numbers for the year. Uh, Emory is 25 out of 42 for 375 yards uh, touchdown. And uh, Taylor Powell for Eastern Michigan, 52 out of 80, 588 yards and three touchdowns. They won their first game. Eastern won their first game over Eastern Kentucky by 42 to 34. They lost to the Raging Cajuns from Louisiana by a score of 49 to 21. And now here we come. Well, I'll tell you this. This is going to be a, this is going to be one of them crap shooting games again. You got to make sure you pay attention to detail. And as we talk about this, there are special guests just popped up on the screen. I'm going to let him in in a second. But here's the thing about this game: you're you're a 95 percent winner of or guessing they're going to beat this, going to beat you. Those can really backfire because Eastern Michigan has nothing to lose. Arizona State has more to lose than what they have. So, you know, they're going to come in here with the guns a blazing and they're going to let it all hang out. And if I'm Arizona State right now, I have to pay attention to detail and do the fundamental things that is necessary to win this game and take care of business. If you take care of business, no matter what the score is, as long as you can win the football game, but take care of your business. And I'm going to invite our guest in here, David, if you don't Please. mind doing that right now. Can't wait till we have our guest in. Let me go ahead and get him in here really quick, man. He's coming in somewhere. He's coming from, there he is. I think I see him. Hey, Coach, how you doing, my friend? He's coming. He's trying to connect to the audio. There we go. Hey, Coach, coach are you with you, us? Sir? What's going on, guys? Hey, we're doing great, man. Thank you for coming on our podcast. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. David talked about it. It sounded like fun. So, Well, uh, me, I know you're coming from little, practice. Can I go shut my door? Background on, go right on. ahead, man. Go right ahead. Right. You got time. <laughs> Let me give everybody else a background. He knows who he is. So, but uh, he's the head football coach at Trine University in Angola, Indiana. I had the pleasure of meeting him last week. I had uh, I had three shows myself in two days and had an opportunity to meet him and his coaching staff. Coach, I think you told me. I'm trying to give you an intro here. I think it's 17 years you've been coaching. Is that correct? Uh, I've actually been coaching since 1997. So. A few more years than that, but I've been uh, – this is my 17th year here at Trine University. That's what it was. Okay, that's your 17th year, but a lot longer as a coach. 
I was, I did a little recon on you. I did a little recon and did a little research and I uh, believe it was uh, 17 and 18. Your teams went undefeated during the regular season. Is that correct? Yeah, we did. We had some, some special players that did some special things. It was a fun thing to be a part of. What I was really impressed, and then I'm going to let David talk to you a little bit here. You kept things together during the COVID years. Your team still had good records. You, you kept them together. They played. They didn't have the long seasons because obviously no one did. But right. it looks like you found a way to keep your team together, focused, and winning ballgames. Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, and we, we actually were, we were one of six Division three programs in the country that played in the fall uh, during COVID. Um, and, uh, we played, we had five games scheduled and we ended up playing two, uh, games were canceled for all different types of reasons, outbreaks on other teams. Um, we, we had a, a travel ban between Indiana and Ohio. We we're supposed to play a team over in Ohio and the governor over Ohio canceled our game. I bet he uh, did. I live in very, Ohio. I bet he did. Very, very uncertain times. And, uh, but we, we tried to provide some stability. We did it. Uh, in a safe way, we, we, we had five practices a day. We divided up our team so that wow. uh, all our guys practiced for like an hour and 10 minutes. And then we had overlaps so that, you know, we weren't out there for five hours as, uh, for longer than five hours as coaches. But we practiced from three to, to eight at night uh, as wow. a coaching staff and just had five different practices, brought our guys in in small groups and, and uh, tried to provide them with a getaway from everything that was going on you know I mean it, Bless you. it was uh it was a lot of a lot of hard work but I, I think it it's it paid off and I think it's paying off these this season as well well you know coach I I, I you know coaching football is 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 it's not easy um because you got to get kids to buy into what you're saying and, and get them to believe in themselves more than you believe in them so right. as, a, as a coach, are you a defensive-minded coach or an offensive-minded coach? And I ask that question because there's so many coaches out there that, you know, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers this past weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals. They've got three defensive-minded coaches, Tomlin, uh, a coach from the Miami Dolphins. So they've got three coaches. I can't remember the other coach's name. They're all defensive coach, uh, defensive-minded players. And when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, they won that game because of their defense. Right. So I asked you that question. Are you a defensive minded coach or are you an offensive minded coach? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm a defensive minded coach. I was a defensive coordinator for, for a long time. I gave up my defensive uh, play calling during COVID out of necessity. Uh, I wanted wow. to let my coaches coach football while, while I made sure everybody went to, to get tested and, and did their symptom checks and everything else. So I, I had to give it away. Because, you know, if we're playing games, we want to win them too, right? You play to win the game, you know? And uh, it, it, I kind of gave it away, and then I've kind of moved into more of a CEO role. Uh, had a coach that, uh, that, that resigned a day before practice started last season. Uh, that was our running backs coach. So I, I coached offense for the first time in, you know, since, since 1998. Uh, and uh, had a blast doing that. And I think I'm a better head coach because of it. But I think bottom line, it doesn't matter if you're an offensive coach or a defensive coach. I think the great teams that, that I've been able to, to be a part of, whether as a player or a coach, and I heard Gene Chizik talking about this um, this summer during an interview, and I thought he hit it right on the head, and it's something I've used with our, with our team this year, is you got to have guys that are selfless, that really care about each other, 
as much as they do about their own statistics or accolades or how many touches they get. And that's hard for guys to do, but they've got to be selfless. They, they've got to be tough and they've got to be disciplined. And uh, we really harped on the discipline side of things during our preseason camp. And I, it's paid dividends so far in our penalty yardage. But uh, I, I think that those are things that are, that are really important, you know, and, and being selfless is, is something that we've all got to work on all the time. Right. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing, but, but great teams, great organizations and great families all have that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you put win, win before accolades, if you put, you know, there were things that I did in my professional career, you know, go to San Diego and, and we, we win a game and I have two tackles, you know, and I felt like I didn't even help the team. Then we go play, you know, Tennessee or uh, Houston Oilers. And I go in and I get like, 15, 16 tackles, and we lose the game. And I used to walk off the field going, man, I played my hardest, and we lost the game. And then I played where they ran the football the other way, and I didn't get any, you know, any physical hits or any kind of, you know, big things are going on, and we win the game. So as a player, as a player, and, and, and respectfully to any other player that's out there, especially in college, is how you can be humble enough to say, you know what, you know, I'm going out here to win for this team. You know, we, Dave and I was talking about, you know, uh, the, the flea flicker that Oklahoma State did against Arizona State when, you know, they run, the, run up to the field and turn around, pitches it back, and it throws a touchdown. We all have responsibilities, you know, and that's a tough one. When you when you see the running back come through the middle of the line of scrimmage and automatically the safeties are going, oh, I'm going to get the ball. And then all of a sudden you got to turn around and go back. So patience and being humble. I think it, 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 it for me when I played it was it was exciting. I mean that picture behind me was me blitzing and hitting the running back from USC in the backfield, and the two linebackers they were nowhere near me, and I was coming from twelve yards deep. Right. And once again, it's being humbled, and when your players call, your numbers call, you do your job, and everything should work out. Yeah, and that's I think you hit the key. Like do your job, right? I mean, and and. There's a guy on the East Coast that that's all he ever says, right? But when it comes down to it, it's the key to everything. You know, we we, we played really well on third down last week. Uh, but in the first half, we had guys out of their gaps yeah. trying to make a play when things weren't going so well. You know, we played in the game last week where we're down 23-3 to three at halftime and come back and win 24-23. to 23. How do you do that? I mean, did the coaches all of a sudden – Patience, I mean, there's no man. such thing as a bad play call, right? I know, no. There are, there, there, are, there are below average play calls and there are above average play calls. But at the end of the day, execution is what matters. You can't have a great play call without a good call and great execution. So, so I'll, give you, I'll give you another one really quick, and I know we're kind of going off. We go to New York to play the Jets in New York, and they're playing double tights. They got two tight ends, they got two wide outs, and they got fullback and a tailback. So here I am, or they got a fullback. Here I am. We got we got number eighty seven is a is a strong tight end. Eighty five is a weak. I get up and I line up, come out of the huddle, and I go to eighty five. And I realize I'm on the wrong side. Oh shoot! I better get to the other side. So I run to the other side. In the process of running to the other side, they pitch the ball to the side that I'm going to make a tackle. Long story short, finished with seventeen tackles. Had a grade of F for assignment but an A for making tackles. Yep. You know, and Dick LeBeau, my defensive coordinator, told me, say, listen, you know, if you want to play a long time in this league, you got to pay attention to detail. 
You just can't be going out there doing things your way or whatnot. And it was just a confusion of numbers, 85, 87. I had 87 mixed up with 85, so I lined up on the left side and I was supposed to be the right. Even though I heard my linebacker say, strong left. Strong left, and I went over to the right anyway. I'm like, oh, no, I'm supposed to go to the strong side. <laughs> so, yeah, it, um, you know, it, it is, football to me is a game of, you know, once again, paying attention to detail, knowing your opponent, studying film, doing the right thing. You know, you're going to make plays. There is really, nobody in the stand know that it was a bad call. Because when I used to run on the other side, they used to say, oh, man, Fulcher must be uh, reading something because he goes to the other side and making plays. Well, no, I was lined up in the wrong spot, but nobody knew that. Some so, people yeah. just lost. Some kind of tough, man. Kind of tough. Yes. Coach, we can let talk me ask you a quick question. All day, Dave. That's okay. Coach Abs, let me ask you a quick question. I, I have the benefit of knowing how busy your schedule was because I tried to schedule this schedule for this for, uh, but right. do you have, uh, did you have any time to, other than your own, I know you had another game and you said you had a late night because it was an away game. Did you get to watch any of the chaos that was college football this past weekend? Did you get to see? Uh, not uh, very much. Uh, we got to watch we, in the lobby. We watched a little bit of the Alabama uh, Texas game, the lobby of the hotel, caught the end of it. Might have left the hotel about five, 10 minutes late to catch the end of it. But, uh, you know, it, it was it was crazy hearing about everything. Before you came on, David and I were talking, Arizona State's a, the predictor, you know, the, the predictor, the matchup predictor has them a 94% favorite to win this week, Arizona State, over Eastern Michigan. And the two of us were thinking, go ask Nebraska what that feels like. Go ask Notre Dame what that feels like. And yeah. Go ask Wisconsin what that feels like. Go ask Alabama by the skin of their teeth what that, what that feels like. I'll ask you the same question I asked him. You're a coach. What are you telling you? How are you preparing your team? They just went and lost a very tough away game to a top, basically a top 10 team in this country. They're coming back for a heavily favored game. What's going through your mind as a coach and how are you preparing that team? Well, number one, I think that you point out what's going on in your own team. How many guys got in the portal? How many guys are getting the portal everywhere? Because parity is completely different now because if you're a backup at school a you might have gotten in the portal because you can go be a starter at school b whether that's appy state whether that's eastern michigan central michigan western michigan you know a smaller school like you know appy state has quite a few transfers that were twos at big time programs right correct you're almost at a disadvantage keeping your kids at the division one level and not improving your roster because of the way things are set up. It's, 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 it's the bottom line is, is it's fine for those ones and those twos, right. That are going to land somewhere and that are going to get to play that they're going to, it's great for them. It's the threes on the fours on the roster that are looking for greener pastures when greener pastures do not exist and they're losing free education. Like those are the ones that I feel bad for. So, and I know I, I'm going to circle back around to your, to your original question. All right. That was great. How how do you, how do you approach that? Well, number one, you're going to have a team meeting and you're going to start every single week with a team meeting and you're going to prove the point or you're going to make an analogy to prove the point that you want to prove. All right. Um, and that's going to be, hey, 
this guy, these guys just got beat. These guys just got beat. These guys just got beat. Heck, my own team, right? We, we get outscored 23 to three in the first half and then win a game. How does that happen? You know? Winning's I would have hard. loved to have been in that. I would have been loved to have been in the locker room at halftime to hear whatever you said to turn that game to a 24-23 win. It was definitely NC 17. David. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Okay. It was, it was my mom would have been proud of me. Okay. But the bottom line is winning is hard. Winning college football has never been hard. Kids aren't slipping through the cracks. Right. There are people who paid a lot of money to 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 evaluate and be right. OK. And the bottom line is. There are so many good players that are so developed at young ages. Everybody's got good players. Everybody's got like good. Everybody's got playmakers. You know. And anybody with those playmakers in today's day and age, with the way the game's changed, the, the game's a game of one on one matches. Offensive coaches have figured out how to turn this into basketball and college football. Isn't that? I mean, it it used to be offenses would just work their butts off into creating this one-on-one matchup, and then we wouldn't let them as defensive coaches. Now with RPOs and offensive linemen allowed to be basic, they can say it's three yards. It's five yards down the field on the pass, okay? There's one – if you're going to have a chance to stop the run, you got to be able to play man. And if you can't, you're in trouble. So if Abbey State has one guy that you can't cover, they're going to figure out which one of your defensive backs can't cover him, and you're in trouble because if you don't, you can't stop the run. You're making David Fulcher very happy. I mean, you can't. It, 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 our game is – you know, I, I, when I started out here as a defensive coordinator in 2006, and it, it, we, we were a, a – Dick LeBeau, three, four, fire zone, get after your butt defense. All right. And I stole, I got everything that I could from Dick LeBeau secondhand through division one guys that I knew spent time with them. Like if I showed David my 2006 playbook, I mean, our, our, our main blitz was called Steeler to the field and pit to the boundary. Okay. (laughs) You can't play that style of defense. You got to sprinkle it in every now and then, but you can't live in it. You get exploited because there's so many. I mean, you know, teams are basically running power football and using that as a blocking scheme or yes. a pass blocking scheme. Quarterbacks are reading safeties. And if a safety comes down to fit, he's throwing the ball behind him over the top. Yes. Right behind him right now. And it's at every level of college football. And, uh, that creates more one-on-one matchups, not 11-on-11 football is what it really does. Um, creates more uh, man-to-man mm-hmm. defense. I mean, it just does. So if you've got a dude out there, you can make some things happen. Coach, let me, let me ask David Fulcher a question here. David, you just heard this. I saw your head going like this uh, the whole time he was talking. Think about everything he just said. You obviously agree with it. Put that into Arizona State in your head going forward. Does that saying that it's a matchup driven college football is matchup driven now? Does that bode well for us moving forward? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, and, and Coach said it. You know, there, there, the, the matchups 
And, and, you know, are their ones good as Arizona State's ones? Probably, probably not. But you still got to play football. You still have to make plays, you know, and, and on both sides of the ball. So if, 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 if I'm Eastern Michigan, I'm just going to, I'm telling my kids, hey, listen, it's another football game. You know, they're 11 versus your 11. We have to dominate them. You have to dominate the guy in front of you. You do your job. And I go back to that doing your job. I mean, LeBeau said that to me so many times. I've got it written in my, my, my brain for just cleaning up the house. You do your job, the house is clean. You don't do your job, it's dirty. So, yes, I believe, I, I, listen to the coach talk, man. I'm, I'm ready to go put the pads on, man. I'm, I can, I'm tell. Up, I can man. tell you were because, getting fired up. <laughs> because it, it is the truth. You know, it is, you know, it, it, the parity because of the portal, you know, puts other teams at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a fault because, you know, all these players want to go because they're, they're number three here or they're number two here. I'm not getting enough at number one. I don't know how a number one guy would leave one school to go to another school because he's not getting enough coaching. You know, that's a quarterback that played at Nebraska. He wound up leaving because he said he wasn't getting enough coaching. And I'm thinking, but you've been the starter for three years, Arizona State's quarterback. He leaves uh, uh, Arizona State and goes to LSU. He's a three-year starter. Three He's letters, like, baby, NLI. And I come on, man. I'm like, you know, when I, I mean, I don't know what I would have been if that, if it had been around at that time. But the thought process I'm saying is, if it's trying, trying gave me an opportunity to play college football and get an education. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to support that university because they gave me an opportunity. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am today. So. I think the players today, I think Arizona State has a, has a game that they have to go in and, and perform. When you're heavily favored like that, man, the other school, they have nothing to lose. So that coach is probably telling his kids, hey, we're going to go to Tempe and we're going to lay it on the line. And you go out there and you give your all and guess what can happen? Look what happened to those four or five games. Look what happened to AM. AM, who they were complaining about the portal and fighting with Alabama, and then they go and give up, a, they go get their butts kicked, and now you can't say nothing. At you should home. be quiet for the rest of the year. At home, uh, an amazing, amazing win. So, yeah, I, I believe I believe that, um, you know, when you're given the opportunity to play this game, I always told people when I played this game, I played from the heart. I didn't play it from the pocketbook. The NFL doesn't stand for national football. It, it stands for not for long. <laughs> and a lot of people that play this game don't see it that way because they're trying to make all the money that they can. College players are wanting to go to this particular school because they're trying to do this and do that. If your goal is to get an education, if your goal is to play a college sport and you go to a university that gave you that chance, support that university and do what you're supposed to do. And then whatever happens after that, because everybody wants to win, but you can't win all of them. What do you learn from the loss? What do you get out of that? And I think that when I look at certain teams and things have happened, can Arizona State learn from the loss that they had against Oklahoma State that they can play a better football game on next Saturday against EMU? That's all they have to do. Coach, I know you've had a long couple of days. You yes. told me your schedule. Thank you, Coach. David, is there anything else you'd like to ask, ask Coach? No, Adams? Coach, I'll tell you this here, man. Just continue to keep doing what you're doing. I think what you have put together since you became the head coach is exactly what you're doing when you're the defensive coordinator. You're just building men and getting them to understand that, you know, there's life after football and you continue to keep doing the things that you're doing. You're going to be successful, whether we win a football game or not. 
and you're doing a great job, man. I, I really appreciate having you here on our, our show. And uh, even though we're not talking your football, we're talking Arizona State football, but that's okay. I just wanted to talk X's O's with you. I wanted to uh, get your perspective on, 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 on what you're doing with your football team and, and how you see things going and really appreciate you, you spending your time with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun anytime. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. We, you we take appreciate care. you very much. We appreciate you and God bless you, man. And get them boys ready for next week. Good luck this weekend. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right, bud. See you, coach. I'm going to go hit the film. All right. See ya. <laughs> I knew he'd be going to somewhere. I knew see it was home. I, I told you when I met him, David, no nonsense. Uh, he reminded me of you. And that's why I thought getting the two of you on one podcast might be uh, in, I think in the state of Indiana, he's kind of seen as a Bill Belichick defensive mind. And uh, that sure came through. Well, you can see it in his face, man. I mean, there are coaches that could kind of give you that, that, uh, that era or whatever you want to call it, the, the way they look at you and the way they talk, you know, he, he has a passion for what he does. Just like you and I, I mean, we have a passion for what we do. When you, when you do your national speaking and you talk to colleges on dating and you try to give them, I watched you. I mean, I, I, I've seen tidbits of you, but to sit there in the audience and watch you, man, you perform. And I'm the same way. When I get out on the football field, man, I'm serious. I want to, I want to, I want to win, but I want to win as, 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 as clean as I can. This podcast, I want this podcast to be the best that it can be. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have some, some miscues or some, some falls here and there, but you know, when you, when you talk about perfection, everybody wants to be perfect, but it's not going to be perfect. But if you can give a hundred percent on what you do and you speak clearly enough for people to understand it, you're going to get good results. And that coach has a following with his players because they buy into mm -hmm. what he's saying and what he does. I also think that people believe in people who give their heart. Uh, you weren't born to be a podcaster. You were born to be a safety that, that was one of the best. And I wasn't necessarily born to be a podcaster. I'm a speaker and a coach and a consultant and things like that. And blessed to be co-host of this program. But I think people will be appreciative if we give our best every single time. Yes. An, occasional, an occasional blip, people are going to go, okay, an occasional blip. But to have you and I share what we share, have you share what's in that head of yours, to bring on a wonderful guest like Coach and give people uh, a different perspective that they might not get unless they watch this podcast, I think that's what we're all about. Uh, no, and no doubt. I mean, and, and once again, for him to come on our podcast, believe in Arizona State, talk about Arizona State and Eastern Michigan, and for him to come on and give us a, a, a quick tidbit of how he has turned that program around and been the defensive coordinator up until 2000, I think he said 2006, and now he's the head coach for so many years. That's a great opportunity for him. It was a wonderful chance to have dinner with him a week or so ago, two weeks ago. And I, I asked him, I said, Coach, I'm hearing what you're doing here. I'm seeing your, I met the assistant coaches. They all kind of sat at the same table. Classy group of people. What they've done with their facilities for a small school, pretty unbelievable. And I looked at him, I said, you could be other places. He goes, I've got business to do here. I've got business to take care of here. Well, I will tell you this, Dave. I think this was another good uh, good week of the Believe in ASU with the D&Ds, uh, two square. And... Um, the D square, not the two square, but the D square, D square. or double D, however you want to call it, man. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying this and uh, I can't wait to see uh, what Arizona state does uh, this weekend against EMU because they got a big one the following week. And I hope they don't look past this team looking for that team. Uh, I think it's Utah coming up next week. So I, I'm excited. 
And uh, I think they're going to get after this, uh, this football team on this Saturday. I think they will take care of business. We will get back on our next podcast. We will talk. We will get prepared. We'll cover that game. But we will absolutely get everybody prepared for the Utah game, and we will talk about uh, how we win that game. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. We'll do it again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.